Hi everyone, I'm Heaven. I'm Tracy. And welcome to another round with Heaven and I'm Tracy. Yay! Yay indeed. <laughs> Yay indeed. Um, <laughs> hi Heaven. Hi Tracy McGee. What's up? Not much. Hanging out. Yeah. In the studio. Hey, yeah. Talking about stuff and things. Stuff and things. Um, I heard that you went outside recently. What? I heard you went outside recently. What? <laughs> Who's been telling my business? <laughs> Yo, remember when we told y'all to go outside and then we went outside? Yeah, that I never took my own advice. I know. But I did this time. <laughs> Where'd you go? What did you do outside? I went to the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. Ooh. I've, I like have lived in New York forever now. Mm-hmm. It's been like a good eight years and I still haven't been. I still don't fully understand what it is. It is like a big ass garden. <laughs> you know, I will give you that. <laughs> I feel like like most New York things, it like looks like it takes up some space, and then you walk in and it's like, whoa, there's a whole thing yeah. here. <laughs> so I only see it on my way to Prospect Park, and it's just like this little bitty entrance, mm-hmm, like on the mm-hmm. corner, and I'm just like, it's, it's deceptive. In it my head, it really multitudes. is just like a really <laughs> tiny garden, and people nah, just like, nah, 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 nah. You're no? sleeping on it. Okay, it's so you walk in and then it's huge. It has like you know those things where it's like different ecosystems that you can like feel the temperature changes and stuff. Oh, like the tropical climate yeah, you segment can be, at the zoo? Yeah, you Ooh. can be like sweating and dewy in the tropical rainforest mm-hmm. and then like in a desert landscape and then in like Whoa. just a flowery garden. You know, like they got they got a lot of stuff in that like tiny little alcove that you see. So what do you like? What did you like about being there? What did you do when you got there? Just like walk around like with It's the good for like a stroll. It was perfect fall weather when I went. Ooh. So it was just like a brisk stroll with friends. There's a lot of like old people reading on a bench or just enjoying the scenery, thinking, meditating, Hmm. people doing exercise, yoga, people doing photo shoots. That sounds so fun. Um, Um, I met my favorite flower, my new favorite flower. Oh my gosh, what is it? It's called a black velvet petunia. It looks so dramatic. (laughs) Like me. I've been trying to find a perfect black velvet dress ever since because I was like, wow, this is me and I don't, I don't have the proper <laughs> accoutrement to properly celebrate my lineage, you know? Mm. This is what gotta, I come you from. You gotta make up the ancestors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In your ceremonial robe. Exactly. My ceremonial, like, bodycon black Aww. velvet dress. <laughs> your mixtape and or the, <laughs> your first edition of poetry that you're going to publish one oh, day. Oh, God. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> black velvet petunia. It is I. Aww. I have arrived. <laughs> Aw. I want to go. Yeah. So, highly recommend going outside like we said. <laughs> But I'm going to follow just extra big advice. up our own advice. <laughs> Where did you go? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yo, nature's popping. I went to camp with my friends. What? And when I my say that. My dream. So I. You know how I feel about the parent trap. <laughs> I do, which I still have not seen. I know. It's okay. I still forgive <laughs> you. you. Um, but no, me and my friends, the world famous Buttertones. Yes. Um, if this is the first time that you're hearing of the Buttertones, shame on you. Um, my I'm friend, back through the archives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my friend Okoto Ofori Ata is the other singing member of the Buttertones. This is our fictional musical group. That one it's day, real. it's real. You know what? That's it's right. Me. That's <laughs> that's right. This is real. It's real. I love this group of friends because we all like um, check in with each other and try to like uplift Aww. and encourage and like, Aww. what are you working on? Like, mm. how can we like? We are just all trying to like help everybody else in the group. Yes, black girl group chat <laughs> as quick as possible, right? So um, me and Akoto were <laughs> drunk one day, and I was just like, "Yo, we should just like get a house and just like." go upstate and make stuff Mm. and just be alone together. She was like, alone together? (laughs) That is a thing. And then we were like, wait, maybe we should do this. And maybe we should just like 
get the group together. Get a cabin. We went upstate. Butter tones. Assemble. Butter tones. <laughs> um, and it was so neat. Like we had a schedule of like events and stuff. Ooh, yes, y'all had like, a full out. Okay. It was like a for real like retreat. Okay. And so we went. Everybody had a goal in mind. Like something that you want to work on. Something that you want to accomplish. I wanted to finish um, writing my sample chapter for my proposal, which Ooh. I did not do. Ooh. But I did some of it because I felt so hey, inspired yes. and helped and creative. Um, and then somebody else was like starting a newsletter and, you know, just like a whole bunch. So like we all had stuff that we wanted to achieve. And so it was like, all right, from this hour to this hour, it's breakfast. One of our friends, Glenn, is like, if he is not like an actual chef, like a chef ass chef, he should be. <laughs> uh, so he would like just make gourmet meals every okay. day. Breakfast, lunch and dinner. The last meal Light was work. fucking uh, Brussels sprouts. Did you have you ever seen like Brussels sprouts on a stalk? Like the way that they grow? <laughs> I was like, what is this shit? <laughs> I sure as hell have not, Tracy McGee. He had one of those. It was just like a big trunk with Brussels sprouts on it. And I was like, okay, I guess that's how they grow. Wow. So the last meal was filet mignon and these fancy ass Brussels sprouts. And okay. it was just like, ugh, it was so fancy. So anyway, in the mornings, we had family breakfast. Then it's like, disperse, work on your thing, or do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. And then like we scheduled like brainstorms in case somebody like had something they want to help on. Like we workshopped some ideas. Mm. And then we ate some more and then we drank. <laughs> yes. And it was just beautiful. There were like mountains so in the background. I'm, it was. It really, really was. Then I had to come back to New York and I was like, oh. I went oh. back to the city and I was like, oh. But um, yeah, it reminded me that I really need to do that more. Mm. Just like go outside and Take sit. a break. Let's take a break. Run away with us for the summer. Let's, Let's go, go upstate. upstate. Oh, my God. That's what you did. Ah! Oh, my gosh. We did. We went upstate. We went upstate. And it was really, really nice. Um, I don't, as a kid, I never went to, like, sleepaway camp because mm-hmm. it's just not in my personal ministry as somebody who has <laughs> anxiety. I was like, you want me to sleep somewhere else on purpose? <laughs> with kids, I don't know. No. <laughs> so this, to me, like, I started to call it <laughs> Camp Buttertone. Oh, so it's, like, my first so official, cute. like, camp oh my god i'm so jealous um uh, you wanna you wanna i wanna come, come to adult trip? sleepaway camp let's do it and then play like the bad to the bone song as we're like playing <laughs> poker this is all from Wait, what the parent trap jersey oh, oh my god references that i don't get i'm sorry i just want to be a cool kid with shades Aww. playing poker okay so here's what we're gonna do <laughs> i'm gonna watch the parent trap and then we're gonna have camp heaven and tracy Oh my god. Let's do it. Oh my god, Let's I'm so it. excited. Let's do it like right now. Let's just leave. Wow. Bye. Y'all should also go outside. That's great advice. And speaking of great advice, <laughs> look at that transition. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Um, we have the one and only Stacey Marie Ishmael, Stacey's career corner, back again. You've been asking for her, you've been missing her. So have we. We understand when Stacey true. Marie is not near, the the sun just doesn't shine as bright. You You're know, right. Colors aren't as vibrant. If nothing else, like if you have like the perfect job, then just sit back and just listen to her accent. And you're yes, welcome. listen to her voice. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Did that get weird? Sorry, Stacey It Marie. was weird because it just stopped so abruptly. We were just like, oh. <laughs> she has an excellent voice. She does. And so here is Stacey Marie. Enjoy. Back by enormously popular demand. Yes. And I think what, this is what? like the... The first most requested. <laughs> oh no! Segment. Close. No pressure. A close second. Tracy's joke time. It's true. It's I, true. that's fair. That's fair. That's a superior <laughs> segment. <laughs> Y'all can already hear. We are in the studio with hey. Stacey Marie. Hey, hey. Purr, purr, purr. Oh, the god. 
god, the queen, the Sorry. icon, the legend. Yes. Oh, oh. Can I have a recording just of that to start my day? Yes. Make it your ringtone. Done. You're welcome. Done. Uh, st- who is Stace Marie? Stace Marie is joy and light. Yes. And she's professional smart. rabble rouser, I would say. Yeah, fantastic Twitter. Yes, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Just a woman about the town. That's all I do. Yeah. What town, you ask? All the towns. Just the towns. The town the of towns. the universe. <laughs> the city of Townsville. Yes. Welcome back. Welcome back, Stace Marie. How are you? I'm good, yo. Well, you know, as much as one can be. Mm, mm. <laughs> Amen. You know what? I feel like I have once a week a conversation about how loaded a question, how are you? Yes. Now is. Like, how are you? It's like, well, <laughs> not great, Bob. Not great. <laughs> Do what you can. Um, keep breathing. You keep breathing. In and yeah, out. In and yeah. out. <laughs> Let's go back a little. Yep. Um, I feel like no woman I know has ever worked in a place where they did not experience harassment. Mm. And mm. it's like, oh, my God, imagining a world without that <laughs> sometimes feels difficult. What would you say we all can do to build better workplaces? Mm. Believe people even when you dislike them. Mm. Already. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about this. I've been thinking a lot about a lot of things. It's just that kind of year. Mm. And... One thing about me is I generally don't participate in this sort of like public sharing of feelings, mm. you know, this, this ongoing conversation with, with, I suppose, professional therapists. <laughs> <laughs> same boat, girl. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> but partly because I have always seen my role or a lot of my roles as just like giving people space, supporting them. And I'm a giant coward. Uh, but I think a lot about the fact that it is easier for us to believe and support people that we like. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that sets up the power dynamic Mm. that lets this happen. Because so much of the time, the people who are getting the most harassment, whether it's sexual or verbal or just, you know, the litany of microaggressions, or is it just Tuesday? Mm. Oh, I see what you did. That's a painful callback. Is because they're often people who nobody would believe in the first place. People who are presumed to not be cared about very much. Not be cared about. And Bim, friend of the show, made the points in a really good piece that it's about power. It's not about anything else except power. And so often the people that we dislike are also ones who don't have the same kinds of access to power. Or counterintuitively, they're people that we think are so powerful, Mm. nothing would happen to them. And I've really been reflecting on that and I've thought about a couple of times where I might hear something and I might not react the same way because I'm like, yeah, I don't care about that person. Mm. And that's what really sets this up. And I feel like I've been guilty of that for sure. Man, drag me. (laughs) (laughs) What would you recommend to someone who may not feel safe reporting workplace harassment but is experiencing it? I mean, the reality is most workplaces are not set up to be supportive of this kind of thing. Mm. Even the well-meaning ones and perhaps especially the well-meaning ones who Mm. tend to think that they are. And the number one thing that you can do is receipts, (laughs) Mm. Um, screenshots, emails, things in writing, other people present. Yo, Loki, I've learned a lot from James Comey. Mm. I thought you were going to say the good wife. Everything down. Also the good wife. (laughs) (laughs) Write everything down. Tell it to third parties. Yeah, because if you do the thing that is, you know. HR, as a function, is there to protect the organization. And sometimes protecting the organization 
aligns with giving you support. Sometimes it does not. Mm. And part of their job is to make sure that they have like done the groundwork and established, you know, dates, times, places, names. And if you don't have those, it's harder for you. And the thing that's really unfair is in the moment when a terrible thing is happening to you, your first thought is like, let me just write this down. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not how our that's brains not work. How that's not our work. response to trauma. It's not mm. our response to any of these things. Mm. But that's the part that separates often the people who win the lawsuit mm. and the ones who do it, that and the likability thing. Mm. But, you know, the first step is acknowledging that this is not a responsibility of the individual who's being harassed. This is the responsibility of the hiring managers and the directors and the operators and the VPs to build environments in which there are structures in place that are going to support people when they come forward. Mm-hmm. So what happens if you go to HR, you're doing all the right things, following all the steps, quote unquote, and HR is treating you unfairly? What do you do then? Well, I think the it's you can never expect fairness from a corporation. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's sort of the first mistake that we make is and especially in workplaces that like to be friendly and flat and non-hierarchical. They elide the the reality of the power differential. And they mm-hmm. lied the fact that and you know, this is I've said this before, like as soon as somebody can fire you, you can't be friends with them. Mm. And so this our perception of fairness is something that we ascribe to somebody that we think of as like a colleague or a peer. And whenever you're in these conversations, you're no longer in conversations with colleagues and peers. You're in conversations with organizations and structures. Mm. And so you have to go into it knowing that this is not set up to help you succeed. Mm-hmm. Right. This is set up to be a very specific process of information gathering and, and verification and making decisions about what's going to happen. But the thing that we have found out is there is strength in numbers. And the, 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 the line that I am so sick of is like, well, why did everybody wait this long? Oh, my God. I'm like, yo, <laughs> do nerve. you know how hard it is to be the first one or yeah. the second one or the third one? Mm-hmm. Like it legit takes somebody like a Lupita or an Ashley Judd mm. to yeah. come out and say, yes, this happened to me for other people who are like, oh, yeah, me too. Because suddenly it's almost as if you have permission. Mm-hmm. And that it is that is not a permission that you can just grant yourself. Mm. One of the most infuriating things, I mean, every week is a week of infuriating things, but on this very point of asking why the women didn't come forward soon mm. or at all, mm. uh, some woman that I didn't know that she existed before this very day until she threw her career away. Her name is Sunny Anderson, apparently. Had a show on the Food Network, Food Who TV, is? something. Some some black lady with a cooking show. Oh, a black lady. A black lady. Yes. So I'm just like, man, I didn't even know. <laughs> I could have been supporting you. Mm-hmm. Didn't even know. Mm-hmm. But now I'm glad that I did not support you because she was just going off about how um, the the women who are just now coming forward had to have like been paid off or something, and why weren't they strong enough to do this oh. or that? And then she, the thing that like, how hard can I roll my eyes? Uh, the thing that had me like, wow, lady, fuck you! I can't wait to not watch anything that you're <laughs> on for the rest of your life. She actually typed the phrase, "Quiet women create monsters." <gasps> I am very loud. Listen. And even, <laughs> Listen. I am hella loud. And even I have been in situations where you do a calculation of, do I speak up now or do I protect my job and the jobs of everybody around me mm-hmm. and try to figure out how to get them out of this situation because you know the power differential is so great that nothing you do in that moment is going to make a difference and it might even make it worse. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a woman of color. Exactly. And I, I mean, this is, this is the thing that people com- consistently underestimate and it's usually... 
people who have never had to make that choice themselves Mm -hmm. or people who made that choice so long ago they've managed to tell themselves that they didn't and it's just like yo unless you have been in that situation unless you have been in that room unless you have experienced those feelings of like wait what just happened was this me did I do something wrong hang Mm -hmm. on am I overreacting Mm -hmm. like you don't know what that escalation is like until you've been in that escalation and Mm -hmm. then you don't know what it is like to have to consider can I afford to lose this job right now? Mm-hmm. Right? How am I going to pay my bills? Will I get another job? Am I going to be branded the person that took down so-and-so, mm-hmm. even if we know the consequences for so-and-so is they'll probably get promoted? Mm-hmm. Like, that Oof. is just... <laughs> it's so, it's so unfair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult, man. A lot. <laughs> no joke. I don't know. I just, like, I, I rarely log on to Facebook, and I logged on the other day, and I was heartened, but also just so saddened to see how many Me Too stories mm-hmm. that women were presenting about just their own experiences. And then inevitably, of being there's a dude being like, "Oh, I had no idea." I'm like, "You mm. are the problem. Yeah, <laughs> you're not helping. Like, you don't have to say a word right now in this space because this maybe, is not about you. Or maybe it is. Mm. <laughs> Let's talk about men for a second. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> Um, there's been a lot of just like men sort of falling over themselves to be like, oh, look at me. I am not trash. Yeah. I am a good yeah. man. And then what happens five minutes later? Something's like, by the way, they're trash. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they were all at the meeting, like, okay, guys, this is it. This is our chance. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've, I've been getting a few like tweets and stuff. People know not to come at me with these kind of like expecting you to solve Hashtag the Hashtag not all men. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm curious what you have made of men this week and the last <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> what are the men in your life oh, yeah. talking about? How are they responding? I don't know. What do we do with men? Hmm. This where I'm left this week. <laughs> As every week. I think the most, <laughs> one of the more interesting things that happened was around like Terry Crews and James Vanderbeek. Mm-hmm. So Terry Crews comes out and says, hey, I too was sexually assaulted. And James Vanderbeek, you may know him as Dawson, came out and also said, you know, like, this has been happening, this has been happening to us too. And I thought it was interesting that it took women speaking up for men to speak up. Mm. That was one. The second is I thought it was interesting that the first dude who spoke up was a black dude. Mm. You know, like, kind of going back to the power differentials. And then the third thing is I looked at the responses to them and I compared it to the responses to, say, like, Ashley Judd and any of the other women who came out on the record. And it was so much less why didn't you do anything, and more surprise. Mm-hmm. And it was more people being like, oh, I had no idea that this could happen to you too. Whereas when women say something, it's more like, well, you should have done this differently. Mm-hmm. And so, and that is even in, you know, men in my life who would consider themselves evolved. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, the difference in their reaction to when a guy speaks up about something to when a woman speaks up about something, it comes back to that whole thing, can I see myself in this situation? Mm. And the projection of how they do that so that even when they're being supportive, their ability to be supportive and their ability to be constructive is through this lens of, well, you can't really empathize and so you don't really understand, mm-hmm. you know, or, or it's things like, well, if it happened to so many people, why was he never fired? Or if it happened to so many people, why isn't he in jail? And then you are like, do I really need to explain the criminal justice system to you right now? Right. <laughs> also, do I have not even had coffee yet? <laughs> And, you know, so all of these interconnected things around, well, how does power work, statutes of you know, limitation, mm-hmm. non-disclosure agreements, economic need. Like, I don't know if I have the time to engage with that on that level, but at the same time, you also feel like you have a responsibility to check them in their own behavior. 
I'm like, yo, I'm I'm so tired. You know, I'm so <laughs> I'm so tired. But what I do appreciate about maybe it's just a reflection of the dudes who I allow to be around me. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, who I allow to be around <laughs> me. Yes, y'all heard that correctly. I, I don't know if you can hear my keyboard keys, but I'm taking notes. Seriously. <laughs> Is the ones who have even the ones who've expressed surprise says what do I do if I see something like this happen, hmm. right? And I think the, the devotion to concrete action mm. is really important. And mm. my response is usually it's definitely happening. And if you don't know, it's because you have not established that you are trustworthy. Mm. And so I'm just going to think about slow clap. <laughs> just because you don't see it don't mean it's not there. Right. You know, so think about why it is that none of your direct reports, none of your colleagues Nobody has ever come to you and said, hey, this is a thing. Because, like, what kinds of signals are you giving off that have not indicated that you are somebody that is reliable? Mm. They don't always like that, but tough. Yeah, That's real. It is real. Um, I want to backtrack a second to something that you said about Terry Crews. You pointed out that it was interesting that a black man was the first man to speak out. Mm -hmm. Are you surprised by that? Nothing in 2017 surprises (laughs) me anymore. Um, But I do think... I do think that one of the things that we know is when you think about power differentials, you know, like black women and black men continue to have less power than even white women in Hollywood. And they have less money and they have less access. And, you know, counterintuitively, it's often it's often us who do like who do the work and take the risks. Right. You know, so you would expect as the powerful who speak up, but we know that power does weird things to your brain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I did, you know, I mean, in in. If we go back into history, it was really it was like Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, mm-hmm. who are were white actors, child actors who nobody believed them mm-hmm. when they said there are terrible things that are happening here. Nobody believed them. So you know, none of this is. There's nothing new under the sun, but I do think that who is finding the ability to say me too mm-hmm. is is interesting and and needs we need to support them. Yeah and do some more self-interrogation. Yes. And it's happening in every industry. I know Michaela Maroney from the USA Women's Gymnastics team came out recently talking about the story of the team doctor who has for decades molested a bunch of people. That broke my heart to know that she was victimized before she won the gold medal. And she was a little girl, you know, barely a teenager. Oh, my God. And it, it was the doctor who has, according to the accusations, working themselves through court, have done this, has done this to dozens and dozens and dozens of girls. Mm. You're like, well, what is the threshold at which people face consequences? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's very unevenly applied. Uh, and that sucks because consequences are the only thing that will change behavior for white people and men. Mm. And they get them so rarely, you know, and it's just like, how can we expect anything to change? Speaking of the Me Too hashtag, something that I wanted to uh, say just really quickly is that it was so beautiful and empowering and inspiring to see everybody who were able to and ready to come forward with their stories. Um, But I wanted to remind folks that if you have a similar story and you didn't feel that you could share yours or you didn't want to share yours for whatever reason, I just want to remind you that that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times in times like this, we get really wrapped up and it makes sense. We get wrapped up in the um, in everything that comes with choosing to open yourself and your story up. 
and those people definitely need definitely deserve to be commended but just a reminder that your story is yours you can share it when you want to or you can never keep it to yourself forever mm-hmm. absolutely it's okay it doesn't make you more or less of anything at all and i just wanted to remind folks of that amen So I want everybody to know that the person who wrote this letter said really nice things about us up top. <laughs> I don't want to not acknowledge that, but it feels weird to just read it. So thank you, girl. <laughs> okay. Hi, Tracy and Heaven and Stacy. As a woman who is leading a team of all kinds of individuals, how do you deal with the casual sexism of being stereotyped into a quote-unquote feminazi character? Thanks, y'all. Sincerely, <laughs> Megana. That cackle you heard was Stacy Marie Ishmael about to answer this question. <laughs> so. Yo. Any of you read, like, The Art of War or <laughs> The Prince or anything from, like, Sun Tzu and Machiavelli? <laughs> oh, my so, God. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there's this great line in Machiavelli in which the eponymous author asks, is it better to be loved or feared? And I feel like that line has been very helpful for me in thinking about, do I want to be effective or do I want to be liked? Mm. And it is, it's real hard, right? So there's there's a bunch of things embedded in this question. One is... Are you conflating people responding to you in a position of power with you wanting friends at work? Hmm. Mm. Because basically, the more senior that you are, even if you are super accessible, even if you are actually super friendly and cool with everyone, you're still in charge. Mm Mm-hmm. And what is our natural response to people in charge? Well, I don't know you, but I actively dislike them. <laughs> <laughs> Just off GP, have a problem with authority. Right. <laughs> like it's a basic principle. I mean, I went to a Montessori school. It started young. <laughs> it started young. I'm like, oh, you're in charge? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we got problems. <laughs> and so, you know, this is sort of embedded in human psychology. Somebody mm-hmm. telling you what to do, you're not going to respond well to it. A person who does not look like you telling you what to do, you're going to like it even less. Mm. A person who is historically not in a position of power, who also does not look like you telling you what to do, you're like, you're, all, you're not going to work. <laughs> not going to work. And yes, the answer is, well, no, there's no answer to this, but the, the framework that you're operating in is, in general, and there's good amounts of research on this, women, and especially minority women in positions of power are always going to be perceived less favorably Mm. for doing exactly the same things, using the same words, having the same number or not of exclamation marks in an email as a person from a historically overrepresented group in that same job. And that is part of the decision that you have to make And the awareness that you have to have going into these situations, you are not going to be treated the same. But the questions that you have to ask are, given that you know you're not going to be treated the same, how do you continue to be effective? Mm -hmm. How do you manage that team? How do you establish respect? Because people don't have to like you to respect you. It Mm -hmm. helps. Mm -hmm. Definitely makes it easier. You sleep better at night. (laughs) Um, But it's not a necessary part of the job. Right. You know, often when you love your boss is because they let you do whatever you want. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 All yeah. my favorite teachers. Like, how fast? Girl, go ahead. And so, you know, 
Do you get to let everybody do whatever they want and still run a successful team? Rarely. Mm. Can you get better, perhaps, at figuring out how to incentivize them and figure out what makes that team function and depersonalize it from how they perceive you? Yes. Is it easy? No. These are, you know, these. this is why being a manager is hard and I generally don't recommend it. Mm. But you have to know that you're going in with a deficit. You're going in with certain perceptions that are going to be applied to you specifically that other people don't necessarily have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And once you accept that as like just like truth and like a matter of fact, even though it sucks, like having to accept that people are just going to see you and treat you more harshly and like Mm -hmm. evaluate you more harshly just because of who you are. That sucks. But once you can accept that. Acceptance is a magical thing. Listen, then you can stop like (laughs) expecting or hoping to go in one day and everybody's going to just like love you. You know, you just like. I know what this is. This is a this is a part of the job that I also accept. And there's like a freedom in that. You don't have to like worry about it and wish against it anymore. Yeah. And one of the other important things when you're in these situations is make sure that you are are you doing the work is the other part of this. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I think fundamentally as a manager, you have to do a decent job or you should do a decent job in addition to keeping your team functioning and everything else is like you have to be doing the work and it is not enough to just be doing the work it's like are you, or do people know that you're doing the work mm. which is sort of the other challenge of being from an underrepresented background in one of these positions is because you go in with that trust deficit because you go in and people are like how did you get this job mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. you know <laughs> mm. was it affirmative action mm. <laughs> you're starting at a you you always have to be it's the twice as hard thing <laughs> like it's, it's the completely classic situation shout out to olivia <laughs> <laughs> the sad and so out. do people know that you're doing the work do people know that you're effective are you managing up and sideways and communicating that And are you also making sure that you are not letting the fact that you are mad at your team for how they perceive you hurt your ability to help them? Mm. Because because we don't get brownie points for anything, we still have to make sure that our team has the resources that they need to do the work, even when you're like, oh, I'm so mad at you. Mm. Here is the project, though. (laughs) Word. Adulting is just not fair. No, it super sucks. <laughs> and it's not fair that some adults don't have to do it. They just get to sit down and hire people to do all the adulting for them. And people with trust funds? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> I'm ready for a sugar daddy. Can we talk about it, though? The thing with sugar daddies, though, is like it's so high maintenance. You know, there's so many spin classes and like dry bar appointments involved. <laughs> Oh, I didn't think about the particulars. <laughs> the upkeep. Yeah. yeah. You know? Because listen, once I get comfortable, <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? We'll go to dinner. We'll come home. We'll watch Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> I get up, go shopping. <laughs> Like, wow. rinse and repeat. More and more, I daydream about that lifestyle. Uh, so, much. hey, as long as you're committing to six inch heels and lipstick every day, you already got the I lipstick part do now. That. I can give you a <laughs> lip and a hip. Yeah. I don't know about the the, the six inches. <laughs> if they're platforms, like it, I'll do it. <laughs> I got I will, you. Platforms I will are in. Surgically remove my pinky toes <laughs> if I must, <laughs> or or have another one sewn on. I don't know what else. Balance them out. You know. <laughs> 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 throw, it, throw it somewhere balanced. Hit him with the balance. <laughs> um, okay. I have some personal curiosity questions for you. <laughs> Just like, um, I don't know, I hear all these like systems for like email management or like mm. people are like, I only check my email at like this hour or like I have a, what is that method where you like do 25 Pomodoro. minutes of work and the, see, they got names <laughs> and shit. That, do you have crazy. any of those that you that you abide by? 
just any of those sort of like mecha- organizing mechanisms for email, for productivity kind of things that you are like, this is a method for me. I am most productive when I do yoga. Mm. Say more. <laughs> the thing that I have noticed is I am very easily distracted. Mm. Right? And science is not on our side when it comes to telling ourselves that we can multitask. <laughs> <laughs> science don't add up. I'm like, I can totally answer emails while in this conference call and pay attention at the same science time. Science is like, you doubt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let me just be scrolling through Twitter and reading this book. That's not how that's going to go down. <laughs> and I find that whenever I put into my schedule that I'm going to take this class that's 90 minutes away from a screen or if I bike to work and I can't mm-hmm. look at the screen because I'll crash my bike or <laughs> if I do, you know, 10 minutes of just deep breathing and mindfulness meditation in the morning because I have just trained myself to only do one thing. Mm-hmm. It is so much easier to then do one thing at a time. Mm. And in the same way that when I actually go to the gym, it's easier to keep going to the gym. The second that I stop, <laughs> everything falls off because I'm like 22 tabs, five books and trying You're to like, read. Remember how much fun life is when you don't work out? <laughs> it's like, the internet's here. Yeah. <laughs> Let me listen to this podcast on 3X. I can totally catch up. Oh my up. God. <laughs> no, 3X. Yo, I just recently heard about people listening to podcasts at different speeds. Yeah, it's speeds. garbage. I cannot oh. even imagine a 3X speed. I don't recommend it. But you, you, what is that, chipmunk stalking? Exactly. Yes. It is chipmunk stalking, especially when you can't tell the voices apart anyway. Uh, <laughs> and so my number one productivity tip is chill the fuck out. Mm. Wow. Wow, this is my blowing. Have you heard okay. of one task at a time? Oh, <laughs> Turn to your partner and say, let's try one task at a time. There's this, there's this website from a million years ago called Do Nothing for Two Minutes. Ooh. And all it is is it challenges you to not touch your computer keyboard or mouse for two minutes. Stressful Guess how many times out. I fail, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's 59 seconds. Let me just... Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that is stressful just to think about. <laughs> and it's like a super good reminder that I'm, I'm, I'm constantly multitasking even when I think I'm only doing one thing at a time. Mm. Let me block this website now. <laughs> And so so I really do try if I'm having lunch with somebody to put my phone in my bag because Mm. the mere presence of my phone on my table. The turn downward face. Uh It's like playing games. (laughs) You know, turn downward face is not even enough. If I can see it, I'm thinking, ooh, what's happening on Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) No. In the purse. Put it in the bag. Right. If I'm in a meeting, I'm going to take notes by hand or, you know, just like how can I... Let me just quote my yoga teacher from it. How can I be mindful and present? (laughs) And I get so much more done. Okay. (laughs) That's a great productivity tip. I need to be Buddhist again. (laughs) That was such a chill two months for me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to write that down on my to-do list. (laughs) Be Buddhist again. (laughs) Try it out. Just like check. (laughs) Do one thing at a time, yo. Do one thing at a time. Okay. Just one thing, if you will. Yes, I will. I will allow it. Yes. Okay. New life to save. You ready? Mm -hmm. I'm starting a diversity and inclusion initiative at my office, and it's a PWI. PWI, of course, means... Predominantly white institution. It's depressing as heck. (laughs) Take it from me. But the reality. (laughs) Literally. Four years of my life. (laughs) Tracy, Tracy, we're getting too real in these streets. I know, let's 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 reel it in. Let's Let's reel it in. Bring it back. Usable content. (laughs) Deep breathing, deep breathing, deep breathing. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> my boss is also an older, psychologically abusive white man who isn't held to any accountability measures, <laughs> which makes it very hard to make any real sort of progress with the initiative. It's not funny at all, listeners. It's not. It's just delirium and it's like anger like, and like, what else can we do at this point? It's just like, of course. Of course it is. Again. Of course. More psychologically abusive <laughs> white men. I work at a college office and want to make space for marginalized students to have access to our resources, mm. but feel completely stifled by oppressive leadership. Dang. Strategies slash ideas on how to curtail abusive, unchecked white male dominance in the workplace. Woo! If you could. But yeah, I, feel, just... I feel like you're angry. Mm. <laughs> yes. I get a lot of rage from this question. Word. I see myself in this question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the problem is rage is a useful emotion. It's very useful, but it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's super it exhausting. It you. takes a lot out of you and it <sighs> makes you... It's not sustainable, right? And you, the way that you set this up, I'm like, why are you still working there? <laughs> Tracy's catching her breath for a second. Rage is not sustainable. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yo, you know how much rage is in my body all the time? I have, you know, I'm, so I do yoga and ride my bike. <laughs> <laughs> but I say, I, say this, I say this with love and appreciation for what you're trying to do. But I also say this with, are you sure that you just don't want to be, like, mad at people? Or do you want to get this thing done? Mm. Because... If you want to get the thing done, you have to sort of separate how angry you are about it from what you're trying to achieve. Because if you are so angry and so stressed and so focused on the impossibility of the task that you describe, the task becomes impossible. Mm. Right. And any of the small things that you might be able to do to change this, like, do you actually need permission to start this? Mm. Are there programs that you can kick off right now? Can you just do outreach to this, these students in the meantime without needing to kind of escalate things off the chain? You can do those things, but you can only do them effectively if you let go of how mad you are at your boss. And figuring out... How Swayford? Listen. (laughs) listen. How do you do that? (laughs) And I feel like the thing is sometimes you can't. Mm -hmm. And then then I think the thing is trying to figure out and decide when you just can't. And that's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like if you cannot do that, then the questions that you have to ask yourself are completely different. It's like, why are you staying... And if you have to stay, what can you do that you can do Mm. versus don't set yourself up for failure because you are not emotionally and mentally prepared Mm. to figure out how to make this work. I had a follow up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I'm too much of my feelings. right now. My goodness. I want to get back to the second part of that question, though. Mm -hmm. Strategies and ideas for how to curtail abusive, unchecked white male dominance in the workplace. It's large, but also what are concrete ways you you feel like you do that? I feel like you can't curtail that behavior, can you? Like, can you make a white man less abusive by being like, can you not? (laughs) You know? Often in these situations, the people who are trying to change behavior don't necessarily have the same amount of power. Everything's about power these days, right? Mm. But they might have allies. They might have people who do. Some time ago in media... (laughs) <laughs> there was a story about how women in the Obama White House, rest in peace, <laughs> would boost each other in meetings. And so that if a woman made a point in a meeting and a dude tried to talk over her, one of the other women would say like, oh, Kim, really interesting point. So glad you made it. Mm. Reinforcing a certain kind of behavior and reinforcing certain kinds of voices. It takes a village to deal with it. It takes a village. And I think one of the things that is interesting to me about this question is it starts from a place of weakness. It starts from a place of, I can't, that this is the status quo and I can't change it. Mm. 
And maybe because I like making my life hard and complicated, I tried to think of it as, okay, if this is the status quo, what can I do to burn shit down? But, <laughs> but also more practically day to day, how can I find the people who also disagree? And how can I find the people who might think, you know, what if we change things? What if we, what if we change the narrative of this story, right? And too often we go into this I'm a very combative person, so I say this from a place of love. <laughs> I think too often we go into this thinking the only option is burning everything to the ground. And often, sometimes, yes, maybe. But there's usually channels, back channels, front channels, avenues to other people who might also have reservations but never necessarily spoke up because they mm-hmm. didn't know that that was shared by anybody else. Mm. And so a really important thing, especially in corporate structures, is to figure out who was the other person in the meeting who looked unimpressed mm. when some kind of bad behavior happened, mm. right? Who was the person who said, no, wait, I think Kim did have a really good point. Mm. And how do you find those people and activate those people? And how do you change the norms around what you're doing and try to reset where people are coming from? And I do think that's powerful. It's not It's not easy, it's not straightforward, and it's not it quick. It's exhausting. <laughs> you know, it, and like, again, like, how hard do you want your life to be? Mm. But if you are, if you're trying to make systemic change in organizations, nothing's going to be fast and nothing's going to be easy, but you have to be deliberate and you have to be strategic about it, and it can't just be you, mm. right? Because if you're the only person trying to change behavior, then you just become that weird person that everybody's like, oh, it's going to Stacey again. <laughs> Where- <laughs> Whereas if suddenly it's like somebody else who's not you who has your ideas. And, you know, I think a long time ago I said something like if you want to get things done, you have to be comfortable not getting any credit. Mm. And yeah, can you make this somebody else's idea? Mm. Right. Somebody who might have more political capital, Mm -hmm. somebody who might have more sway, somebody who might have the right complexion, whatever it takes. Mm. And (laughs) like make this something that they also champion. Because that's often what it comes down to. Hmm. There's a piece in the Washington Post about the that Obama White House strategy. They call it amplification, there basically. Mm. Female, staff, <clears throat> female staffers adopted a meeting strategy they called amplification. When a woman made a key point, other women would repeat it, give credit to its author. <laughs> this forced the men in the room to recognize the contribution and denied them the chance to claim the idea as their yes. own. There you go. Yo, shout out to the women in the Obama White House. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> I'm also, you know, I'm a fan of um, sometimes you got to shame white people. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Embarrass them a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, effective Discomfort sometimes. Is so effective. Effective So, so here's, here's the interesting Not thing. I think there is, a thr- there is a spectrum of shame to discomfort. Mm. People react very badly to shame. Yes. Mm. Like very, very yes. badly. It's a last resort, but <laughs> to be clear, <laughs> I mean, you do not no whip choice. that out all crazy. Real badly. <laughs> Whereas, you know, people are so unused to discomfort that sometimes mm. the unfamiliarity of it surprises them they're yes. like oh what is this yes. I've just been told that I was wrong yes <laughs> I feel like I'm being treated unfairly <laughs> what is this what is this I'm so unusual um, insulated by my privilege all these years and so figuring out your nuclear options and then figuring out yeah. the steps before the nuclear yeah, option yeah. is very helpful yes because Big fan of that yeah <laughs> <laughs> and understanding that Sometimes what you think is the thing that you have to do in the short term and sometimes where you want to get to in the long term are not compatible. Mm. Right? There have been 
many times that I didn't burn things down immediately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Me looking over my life and my choices. <laughs> many a chance I had to burn it all down, you know. <laughs> but I had mercy. Where I like, I just turned to the group WhatsApp. I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hit up the group chat like, yo. I was like, should you I blame him? This thing I didn't just say. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what I was thinking. But yes. I didn't say it out loud. <laughs> Roasts of your past, <laughs> you know. Yes, you know. And but then in the but in and I and I took the, like the high productive road mm. because I was like, all right. But then again, you also have to balance that with like, pe- give people three strikes. But then after that, give them nothing. Mm. <laughs> like, it's generally my life goal. Oof. That is such a solid metric. <laughs> give them three shots and then nothing. Nothing. You're like, cut yeah, off. You're done. Yes. You're dead to me. Amen. <laughs> it's over. Nuclear option every time. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> okay, here's another one for you. Hi, Stacy Marie. Hey. After frustrations in my current role, which I've been at for 2.5 years, I decided to start job hunting for other roles within the company. The company is in tech. I was straightforward and told my manager about it, and after a few conversations, he said that he's willing to make space for me on the current team and will put me up for promotion the next cycle, which at the writing of this was in March. Okay. The new role would be more strategic and lead to more opportunities long-term within the new organization. But a promotion in my current role would put me at a level where I could much more easily become a people manager. Besides the work itself, money, and growing my skills, are there other factors I should be considering? Should I weigh the promotion more than the other factors? Thanks. Love your newsletter. Caroline. (laughs) Embedded in this question is a birds in the hand, birds in the bush kind of situation, right? Like, do you, I don't know what these words mean. Do you, okay. So, <laughs> ancient management proverb. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you, thank you, everyone. <laughs> Is a promotion now that has an immediate reward better than waiting for something that might happen later that has, like, a more strategic thing? Mm. And one of the ways I think about this question is, well, what are you trying to do, right? There is... Do you want to manage people or do you just see managing people as more prestigious and potentially more rewarded than something else that's coming in six months? And there's a bunch of different ways of thinking about this. One of the most useful pieces of advice that I got from one of my sponsors is how much do you weight each of the different things in your life? Like how much do you weight salary versus location versus unbridled autonomy and getting to do whatever I want versus any of the other things that you might think about. And that was very helpful because I realized that I do love getting to do whatever I want, Mm -hmm. but I also value getting to run interesting projects that are less predictable, which often means having to be slightly less senior because Mm -hmm. the more senior you get, the more predictable your life tends to become. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about this question is I am not sure and I can't tell why you are trying to make this move. Are you trying to make this move because after two and a half years you feel like you should have been promoted? Are you trying to make this move because what you're trying to get access to is more interesting strategic things? Are you trying to make this move because you see this as the only way to make more money? And whenever you are thinking about a promotion, whether it's internal, whether it's external, whether you're like, I need to leave companies, whatever, you have to be really clear with yourself about what you're trying to get, Mm. right? Like moving for the sake of moving is just a whole different set of organizational politics that you might not have been prepared for. Moving because you know specifically that there's a kind of experience that you want or there's a salary that you haven't had access to or there's a country that you want to live in. That is, that makes so much more sense than thinking in really abstract terms about like the prestige 
of something that you don't know what the day-to-day work is like. And that's also a conversation to have with your manager, mm-hmm. right? A conversation about a promotion is never just, hey, reward me because I'm awesome. Mm. It's, hey, here's the next level of things that I think I'm ready for. Here's how I've demonstrated that I'm ready for it. Here's the value that I can bring when I do that. And that's going to get you much further than being like, I've been here for two and a half years and I haven't been promoted. Like, I don't care. You know, I as a manager, but also me. Um, <laughs> you know, the thing, the thing that you have to be able to make the case for is that you have reached your like maximum level of contribution in the place that you are. And that the next place that you should be aligns with what makes sense for your team, for your managers, and the people who have to make that decision. And that is, that's how, generally how I think about evaluating opportunities. And it's certainly something that has served me much more usefully than just, do I want to manage people or do I want to manage process? Because that answer changes depending on where you are and all of the other variables. Mm. So considered. So measured. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so amazing to me that I've been in the workforce um, for a considerable amount of years. I didn't start working until later in life, but, you know, I've been oh, in the workforce for chilling. a long time. Yeah, you know, just, <laughs> if my mother was like, you just need to focus on school, mm. which meant I never had any money to do <laughs> shit, which means I stayed out of trouble, which I think was her plan the whole time. <laughs> huh. Diabolical parenting. <laughs> 30 years later, I see it. But it's amazing how long I've been in the workforce, but I still know, like, none of this stuff. Like, even, like, a lot of the questions that people, like, ask us to ask you I'm like how do you even think about this sort of stuff you know mm. like I just feel like the workplace and like the stuff that goes on behind the, behind the scenes is just so mystifying and confusing mm-hmm. and you just make it deliberately make so yeah. yeah deliberately so right sorry this is gonna be a dumb question but do you like always know how your sentences will end <laughs> Like, do you? I'm not joking. Do That's you, a good question. Do you practice though. talking? <laughs> do you practice? Is this just a question that I am interested in? Because <laughs> I feel like in these situations, I'm just like, I know what I want to say, but I just, yeah, I don't have the words quite down, or so I'm just like super I'm nervous. I'm a strong advocate of practicing difficult conversations mm. and a difficult conversation is not just the one that you have with your boss it might also be the friend that you've blown off like seven times and Yo. now you've run out of reasons for I why you haven't shown up <laughs> <laughs> that's real that's real um, I also do a lot of internal monologuing do you know about you it's like a very super villain habit yeah same <laughs> I do I do do that <laughs> but I do find I often write things down I write down the points that I want to make and then I find that it, it loosens me up. Mm. Um, I also try to find like my most judgmental friend who's available Ooh. and <laughs> practice on them and get some feedback okay. on am I being clear? Did this come across well? Did my eyebrows go up too much? You know, it's <laughs> real. My what eyebrows are be things? going up. Yeah, I am constantly betrayed Straight by vertical. my face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And so knowing that I have very expressive eyebrows and you know immediately when I'm unimpressed with you, mm. I'm like, bring it, bring it in. Oh, oh my God. In. That's a superpower. So read my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we go, we know how uncomfortable compliments make you. So we Facts. want to give you some from somebody other Hooray. than us. Um, but. I feel like I know for sure that you have no idea the impact that your appearances on this show, your existence in the world and mm. on Twitter 
just like you really like upgrade people's lives and you make them better. And like Facts. as your friend, I always feel bad because I spend 95% of our time together just like in awe of you. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm sure she wasn't like a regular person. Like <laughs> chill out. <laughs> like you know her. It's cool. Aww. It's true though. It's, it's true, so though. true. And you you deliver like just wisdom like straight, no chaser, but you do it like from a place of love quite Mostly. evidently. Most, you know what? Let me chill. Love, love and sarcasm. Not describe your love, <laughs> like I know. But um, oh. uh, you you are affecting people, and we would like to share a couple of really nice letters. They're short, you know. It's just cool. Tana says, "OMG!" and Stacy Marie. Her career corner gave me the courage to start separating myself from a job in which every day was an exercise and not flipping a table. That's the realist, though. Yo. That, coupled with the emphasis on self-care, finally got me to move away from New York City to Denver to bask in open air, okay. sunlight, and mountains, okay. something I've needed to do for probably the last six years. You, know? right. you got somebody to move. <laughs> state, I don't know how many states away. That's a lot of states. Like many states away. <laughs> I do truly, like, whole, wholeheartedly co-sign that. I feel like for me just personally mm -hmm. the basic revelation that like you putting way too much expectations mm -hmm. into what you want out of a job <laughs> yeah that's a lot or you're just not thinking about what it is that you really want mm. like if you're going to a place that you hate every day maybe don't go there anymore mm. that's the thing that like we're not trained to think about because we're trained to like carry the world on our backs everybody hates Survive. their job take your black ass to work hey, exactly do all the things yeah that's real that's real um, Letitia says, when you first had Stace Marie on, her story inspired me just hearing that Trinidadian accent for the first time <laughs> oh, gave me life. Trini gang, brah, brah, brah. Come brah, brah, brah. Caribbean vibe. All right. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to 868. Hey. <laughs> I don't know what those numbers mean, but yeah. Erica of Trinidad. Oh, I should have known that. You are visibly uncomfortable, so I'm not going to make you sit to the last one. <laughs> you are helping people to see themselves. And they they are just going crazy with the newfound freedom and strength, girl. <laughs> You're having it, up, it, me, it up. It me. It <laughs> me. Same. Stacey Marie, thank you so much for Always a pleasure. Oh, a pleasure. Always a treat. We miss you so much because you be so far away. <laughs> we be our way over here. Come to California more often. California. Wait, are, we doing, are we doing the Tupac version? Oh, or? no. That was the white guy. <laughs> that was the white guy version. <laughs> <laughs> that was the OC version. Okay. California. It's hard party. <laughs> oh, I see the, the mashup. <laughs> the remix. Stacey Marie, thank you DJ so much. DJ Caribbean Vibes. <laughs> oh, deep cut, deep cut. Bringing it back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where can people find you and your work on the internet? I'm mostly just on Twitter, really. At S underscore M underscore I. Team underscore. Please do not explain you know, things to me on the internet. One, yes. <laughs> Two, you know what I also love about your Twitter? What up? Just consistently shots fired every day, every morning. I wake Just up. Like, <laughs> I be like, oh, Stacey, it's, it's seven in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you got the chopper singing, ain't nobody up to hear it. <laughs> You know, I drink yes. a lot of coffee. What can I say? Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm a huge fan of your Twitter. Huge fan of you. With um, the chopper spray on all the industries. <laughs> a punch to them all. A punch to them I'm all. I'm an equal opportunity caller outer. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they got to be called out. Y'all got to do better. Listen to Stacey Marie. <laughs> Follow Stacey Marie. She fixed your life. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.
I'm very excited to buy rounds. Ooh, ooh, who are you buying a round <sighs> for, Tracy McGee? Not who, but what? Ooh, what? I am buying a round for truffle-flavored things. Interesting. I feel like this is new. I, I don't be messing with the fun guy like that. <laughs> I don't really love First mushrooms. First of all, I only recently learned truffle and mushrooms are connected. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like truffle is just like, I don't know, a fancy shaving thing. Yeah, that's what I always thought. And I then was confused for a long time whether or not it was mushrooms or like chocolate. Because yeah, like chocolate truffles. Yeah, and I'm exactly. Just like, and then exactly. Nicki Minaj got truffle butter And out, then and I'm just you like, Google that and that's the whole thing. You know? Had to deal with that. It was a lot. Um, <laughs> All right. So what is a truffle, Tracy? <laughs> I believe that a truffle <laughs> is what are you some like? form of mushroom. Okay. And I, I'm not going to start spouting off um, not true things about truffles. Okay. Because I don't really know shit about <laughs> what shit. What is it that you like? The taste. Truffle like, what? Okay. Truffle. Oh, just truffle flavored, like... Things in general, oh, not, okay. not actual generally. truffles. If you put like an actual truffle on my I don't plate, I know what an actual yet. truffle is. It's just like this big, weird, I'm like, googling shaped, dirty thing. I don't know. So, from what I hear about truffles, word on the street about truffles, okay, is <laughs> that they are so rare, partially because you can't like grow them. You just have to go find them, right? Uh-huh. You just have to go forage for truffles. Like there are people who have like truffle sniffing dogs and shit like that. What? Isn't that crazy? And because they're so rare and so the demand is so high, they cost more per gram, I think, than gold. What? Or as much. Huh. So that's important because once you know that. I know it's supposed to be fancy. Yeah. Super, super fancy. <laughs> very It opulent. conveys fancy. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if I'm eating like a like a... Like the chips we had earlier today. We had some truffle potato chips. Mm-hmm. Free. You can get them like anywhere at any store. A couple dollars probably. Mm. But I just felt so decadent because I was just like, oh my, the truffle <laughs> flavor in this is just divine. You know, just because I'm just like, oh, it's a truffle. And it's fancy. But beyond that, it actually does taste really good. I really love truffle um, truffle flavored pastas. Mm. Like pastas with truffle oil. Um, truffle mac and cheese. There's a restaurant called Extra Virgin in Brooklyn. I think it's in Brooklyn. Um, and they have a truffle mac and cheese tart. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. It's basically just like truffle mac and cheese with like a biscuit on top. Oh, come on. How you not been there yet? I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Beautiful. Wow. Um, I love a truffle fry, truffle french fries. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just really getting into truffles. So the possibilities <laughs> are like endless. What other truffle flavored things can I eat? Mm. I don't know. How do you know if it's like good truffle or bad truffle? Girl, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't like, tell what you. Are, like, how do you know? I don't know. Like, um, I mean, I would just assume that like the more it costs, then the better it is. But I don't know shit about shit. But honestly, know. like, I, I love the flavor so much that like whether or not it's like real truffle oil or like not. I don't care. Just tell me it is. <laughs> <laughs> Lie to me. And I'm in there. Um, but yeah, shout out to truffles and truffle flavored things. Ooh. Who or what is your round for? So I've been thinking a lot about who's been like my career mentors, real and imagined. Like we have an imagined mm. relationship. We don't actually know each other. Oh, who are your imagined career mentors? Am I getting ahead of the Beyonce, Giselle, and Lewis Carter? Oh, duh. <laughs> duh. duh. <laughs> that is who my career, True. that is who my round is for. The uh. women in my life who have given me career advice who don't even know it. So I'm, I feel like <laughs> Beyonce is a. Uh, person we all grew up with so she's like when you see her making moves you're just like yes bitch i can make i too can make moves Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and she knows that and she's like oh she bears the pressure of that blah 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 yeah 
But and she still stays so true to herself and like so her black true to ass herself self throughout. Yes, and mm-hmm. I really, really admire that. And I feel like it's so hard to do in like in a world that's constantly asking you to compromise yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking through <laughs> my my life and my career, and Beyonce's a figure. And one of the ways she's been a career figure for me right now is I've been looking at all the stuff she put out, the interviews with herself she did. For the self-titled album, the surprise album. Mm-hmm. Remember when she did that? <laughs> you just woke up one day and it was Christmas and you didn't understand yes, how it happened? exactly. Uh. So she had to give a little context and she's like, here's the interview I will give you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she gave you self-titled and she broke down it into five parts of like explaining a little bit what the album was, the need for the visual, blah, blah, blah. When I was in the studio, I was threading the songs together and I thought of this performance which was a really defining moment in my life as a child. The hip-hop rapping girls' time. In my mind, we would perform on Star Search. We would win, we would get a record deal, and that was my dream at the time. There's no way in the world I would have ever imagined losing as a possibility. The judges give champion Skeleton Crew four stars. A perfect score the challenger girls' time receives three stars. You know, I was only nine years old. So at that time, you don't realize that you could actually work super hard and give everything you have and lose. It was the best message for me. When I put Ed McMahon introducing us as the, the hip hop rapping girls time. time. <laughs> it clicked something in my mind. I feel like something about the aggression of bow down and the attitude of flawless. The reality is sometimes you lose <laughs> and you're never too good to lose you're never too big to lose you're never too smart to lose it happens and it happens when it needs to happen and you have to embrace those things um i feel like just in every beyonce interview she's not always directly talking about something mm-hmm. like okay maybe she's talking about this like childhood competition she had maybe mm-hmm. she's talking about something a little more current in her life that she don't want to tell you about mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of reading in between the lines I do with her interviews that remind me that women have come before me. They have forged on that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. When and things... that the greats have failed. Yeah. I feel like even Stacey Marie was mentioning this point about like, you just expect, all right, if you do all the things, you do them well, you're well researched, you mm-hmm. come, you're always on point. Like, and then nothing happens. Yeah. You can still lose. But she was like, you know, sometimes you lose and you'll lose at the right time. Yes. I was like, ooh. Yeah. Because like thinking about like loss and failure as like things that are just like supposed to happen and not things that happen to you Mm -hmm. because you weren't good enough. It's just like you're alive and you're trying to think. So obviously you're going to fail sometimes. Yeah, I'm inspired by now. (laughs) I like this realm. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like, yes, girl. Thank you, Beyonce, my career mentor. Aww. I'm a grown woman. I can do whatever I want. Aww, <laughs> That's such a such a perfect round for the Stacey Marie episode. Uh, yes, Stacey Full and Beyonce. Uh, Aww. What else do you need in life? I know. 
Heaven, guess what we did? We made it. Oh, my God. We survived another day. I can't believe it. It's a surprise every oh time. Oh, my God. Never think we can do it. <laughs> and then we do. <laughs> Thank you from the very bottom of our hearts to Stacey Marie Ishmael. You can follow her on Twitter at S underscore M underscore I. Shout out to the Pod Squad, per usual. This episode was produced by Nina Patak and Agaranesh Ashagre, with editorial oversight from Illinois Kagan and production support from Julia Ferlin and Alex Laughlin. Music, shout out to our in-house musicians, Miss Jean Gray. You can follow her on Twitter at Jean Greasy. And if you live in Brooklyn, go to some of the fun stuff that she does, like the shows and stuff that she'd be having for y'all. Um, and Don Will of the Almighty Tiny Morgan. You can follow him on Twitter at Don Will. Thanks to Hasizzle for the dope bounce remix. We are still twerking and backing hey. it up. Um, follow Heaven on Twitter at Heaven Rants. She be ranting and stuff. And she's so heavenly. <laughs> <laughs> Both lies. <laughs> I don't be talking. I'm hellish. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter at Brokey McPoverty. Wish that was a lie, but it's not. Um, email us at another round. Tweet us at another round. Facebook us at another round. All the things, another round. Rate us on iTunes. Tell a friend. Five-star reviews, if you please. Nominate us for big fancy awards and stuff. Yeah. Nobel Peace Prizes, if you will. Emmys. You can't nominate me for that, can you? I don't know. Write us in for an Emmy. Subscribe to our newsletter. It's so good. You can do that at BuzzFeed.com slash another round slash newsletter. Drink some water. Take your meds. Call your person. Um, eat some truffle stuff, y'all. It's good. Find out what a truffle is. Learn a thing. I don't have any more advice. Go outside. We've given you so much good advice. You're welcome. Run it all back. <laughs> Bye. Bye. United and it feels so good. <laughs> All right, electric guitar. <laughs>